right, welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number number sixty-six. I want to say, I hope that's right. Sixty-six. My guest this evening is Nader DePriest. Nader is the lead singer of the band London. Now you may have heard the name London before because they have been around since the early '80s, actually probably the late '70s, and they were started by Nikki Six of Motley Crue, of course, and Lizzie Gray. Now, Nader came into the band a few years after the formation and has been the lead singer of the band ever since. Around the late 80s, London appeared in the music documentary The Metal Years, The Decline of Western Civilization, The Metal Years. They appeared in that documentary, and that's probably where I first heard London. I had a blast talking with Nader about London, The Metal Years documentary, and what he's currently up to now. And I've also... uh, in the show notes of this podcast, you'll find a link to his eBay store where you can purchase some of uh, his new music and some of the London albums as well. I hope you're enjoying this show and please make sure to go over to your favorite podcast listening platform and make sure you rate us. A lot of them have those star ratings, the five stars. Go ahead and give us a five star rating. That would be greatly appreciated. And also on your social media, I know you have one. Go find us at r Coffee Show. We are probably most active on Instagram, so go follow us over there. And uh, we are also on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Now, you can also visit us on the web at rnrcoffeeshow.com. And through there, you can buy some merchandise such as t-shirts and coffee mugs. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello. Nader, welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. How are you, man? Great, Joe. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Doing good. Oh, man. You out in California? Yes, I is. Okay. I'm right on the coast looking at this beautiful, sunny, hot day, saturated yeah. by chemtrails. But other than that, you know, <laughs> building up, building on the cancer. <laughs> oh, man. Is it, is it, uh, you still got those fires and stuff out there or no? You still have what? The fire? Well, I think there's some up north. But not 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 like where I'm at, not Southern California, unless I'm missing. Well, I haven't seen the news, but if there are any, I remember there were some yeah. up north, and there was quite a large amount of uh, of, of fire. I mean, it was just insane. It's really incredible what these guys do to go out there and put all that out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I used to live out there in California, and I had some mountains behind me. And I remember they were on fire one time, and at nighttime, the the fire guys would set a line of fire going up the mountain to help stop it from spreading. And uh, and it was right. it was the coolest thing to see at night, just those mountains. They're amazing at work, I tell you that. I have a lot of respect for uh, those guys that are out there, especially in those type of fires, because you're like really weird, uh, you know hillsides and um you know you can easily melt i mean we're just skin you know what i mean one one you know one wrong hot spot and you're melted on your arm or your face or something uh, you know? not a job i'd well, want to do not for me <laughs> <laughs> how about um yeah. you know i don't watch the news all that much either but i do put it on in the morning every now and then and i did see that you guys are back to masks is that correct la county yeah, well, you know, L.A. County is doing it. I'm not in L.A. County, okay. but I am near L.A. County. And, um, you know, uh, it's not happening in the county that I'm in, which is uh, a San Diego area. Okay, so you're you know? a little more south of L.A. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, because I'm not going to fucking get bullshit into all that fucking brainwashing L.A. Uh, it's really weird, man. I- I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's almost like a fucking movie that, right? It, it went wrong. The script <laughs> just completely fucking took off in so many ways that uh, that even the production staff is going to go. How are we gonna fucking pull this shit off and get everybody <laughs> love this film? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's really bizarre. And then there's people that are, you know, uh, have a different look at it. And then and there's counties that I guess are not going to be doing the same thing unless, you know, our wonderful uh, spiritual zombie-like president that we have um, <laughs> fucking no idea what's happening here. 
Anyway, I don't want to do politics. Yeah, no, no worries. No, no. I, I don't know anything about politics. If, I, so. if that, it would take me back to the 80s where I remember doing lines and and talking politics, and I had no fucking idea. <laughs> I was just to talk about, and religion was the worst, and all y'all wanted to do was get into that girl's vagina. Yeah. And it worked. <laughs> if you just talk enough, I guess it did. Anyway, no, I don't want to edit that out. <laughs> what? What? So, so oh, you, it's you, horrible. I, I, you know, California is putting so many restrictions, and and the sad part about it is that it's a really large uh, population of homeless, and I've never seen anything allowed like that in my lifetime. And I've been in LA since I was ten years old, and yeah. the LA County has never seen anything like this. I mean, we've had homeless, but we never had fucking encampments and fucking like little areas where you can call your own <laughs> oh geez so, it, so well, it's really town, so we're gonna be hanging out down here <laughs> so so it's really bad out there with the homeless then it's i you know i i'm not i'm not saying you know that 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 uh you know that they're doing you know uh anything good about helping them because it's really not that much going on with it because mm-hmm. of special interest um, but the homeless do need help, but it's not just fucking shifting them around. You know what I mean? Yeah. They actually need living quarters and let it be a tiny fucking house or whatever it may be and food and water and, and yeah, internet so you can rub one good without, you know, going crazy. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's uh, humanity is doing really weird stuff. And, uh, I hope LA, uh, snaps out of this whole situation that they're in because, uh, you know, there's no going back. Right now, they're cleaning areas right now. I don't know if you've seen that. They're Mm-mm. cleaning encampments now. Well, Somebody can blame. Hmm. <laughs> well, shit, well... That's in my motherfucking yard, <laughs> You know? It's like, go well, over there. You know? They yeah. go. Just go. Yeah, go over there. Go, uh... You know, Ellen DeGeneres' house is right there. Go fucking park it. <laughs> she loves everyone. Well... Um, let's talk a little bit about, about you. Um, oh, well, okay. <laughs> or we could talk about me, whichever one you want to do. I uh, can talk whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> hey, so you have, I was, I was checking out some, some of your recent stuff and now call that girl album. Is that your newest album? Yeah, that's the latest, like L- London album, really. I mean, right. because, uh, that was our first really complete studio album. Okay. Uh, this album was really uh, special to me, and uh, it took a long time <laughs> uh, to get it done. It took three years to get it done, but that was good because then it wasn't, you know, forced. It was done at, at, at our own pace, you know, at our own pace, not pace, uh, pace, and uh, it wasn't rushed like where we had to meet a deadline or where we had to deliver masters or anything. This is all Vamps Worldwide. Uh, vision was just our company and we produced it and and made it happen you yeah. know and uh so we were really happy with it you know we recorded that over at cory uh at um well it's actually cory coker and danny uh danny uh, uh from you know counting cars you know uh danny was uh, such a great host and studio there at desert moon production so it was um it was really a great time recording that album. Now that came out in 2019. Yes. So was there plans for to do something with that album before the pandemic hit, or did that the pandemic well, stop you the, from? Yeah, the, the the idea was to you know, uh, I'm not going to tell you that I was waiting for a deal because I really don't think that there are any deals right now. Um, but. Uh, uh, the idea was to promote it and, you know, do some shows and, you know, just support it, whatever I could do and right. within my production, you know, uh, uh, capabilities. I didn't have a manager or an agent or anything like that on it, but, and that gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted. But then all of a sudden the, uh, pandemic hit. So, you know, what happened after that, you know, right. everyone's, uh, pretty much hanging dry a lot of rock stars online now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll never do that. I'll never eat her out. No, not me. Uh, 
but it's been, you know, it's been really weird because I'm seeing, you know, multi-platinum rock star, a multi, you know, big time seller, nowhere near my little fucking flea side. So for me, I'm seeing that everyone's now like at a, seems like a even level because everyone's more worried about their health. You know what I mean? Right. It's well, not even music now. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, did you see this? You know, uh, I mean, look at all these amazing musicians that are just dropping dead. You know, Dusty Hill just died. Mm-hmm. Top, and you know, yeah, it's been a um, it's been a rough month, hasn't it? it it's Shit. been like a really like a really bad pool table game, man. It's like uh, it's been just one after the other. You know, young young rock stars, and um, and uh, and it's really scary because you know we're getting up there, but yeah. um, you know. It's, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's a different. It's a different time. You know, it's almost like, like music. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember King, Big Motherfucker, Oh Badass, all that. All that. Remember, you know, from Kiss to anyone and all that. But you know, COVID is like been a, a real like mind grabber and body grabber and family destroyer. And almost like a, a really. It has taken creative people, artists, and, and just any regular citizen and turned their lives into like a survival mode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, am I next? When am I going fucking down? It's not like, well, you know. Yeah. What? I'm seeing a lot of posts. I'm seeing, excuse me, I'm seeing posts from, uh, you know, some artists saying that, you know, that there's some uh, irresponsible people who are not copying to those the thing and all that and uh and because they feel this and that about their bodies but i think that it's a choice for everyone you know if someone doesn't want to get it then you know unless you get it but you know you're not all of a sudden changing the whole thing so mm-hmm. this is where we're at survival mode other than that we're just want to play <laughs> yeah yeah but you know speaking of you know all these uh getting older and these rock stars you know, I've t- spoke about this with some other guests, but you know, w- once these rock stars go, I don't think there's any waiting behind them. I don't think we're going to be uh, having any uh, classic rock stars left for very long, and I don't see a whole lot of motivation from a whole lot of youngins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see some in the states, but not a whole lot. But uh, in Europe. I think they're a lot more motivated in this eighties and this genre of thing. I mean, there's a lot of musicians, but if we're talking about our period, our timeline and all that, uh, there's, there's a big following throughout the world, Latin America and all that. But in the States, it seems to be like changing. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's just this whole political state of mind and killing the whiteness and all this weird shit. And I'm not white. Mm hmm. I'm Hispanic. I was born in Mexico. So I am a fucking person of color. So I'm not going to take all this bullshit that's going on. Mm -hmm. I am very aware of what's happening. And for me, you know, uh, rock music is what I do. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be alive. I don't want to be shit on because I'm going to say it because that's, that's like, Certain people out there talking about how fuck is dead. Oh, there's yeah. nothing left. Particles, you know, I like it's insane. But you know, you, you guys keep using that fucking snare in your fucking album, so it's obviously still working. Um, to me, you know, uh, it's a really like I said. I, I hate to sound you know like a scratch no, record, but. Uh, it's a it's a really uh, weird time right now, and it's putting like people against people who are friends and they're not you know or part of the, that whole scene or whatever whatever's left of it, and um, everyone seems to be like on on protective mode you know mm-hmm. at least I've noticed that I, I'm not I'm not judging anyone everyone can live their life I've always respected people's choices sure. Uh, so fucking respect mine. Right, right. Now you were saying how you weren't born in the U.S. You were born in Mexico. Um, when did I you... was born in Baja? I'm from Baja. 
Oh, okay, okay. Something right across the border. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so when did I, I am? I am a I am a real California cheese. <laughs> so what was your you childhood like? Your <laughs> what was your childhood like? When like when did you start getting into music? It was great. Music was like well, I mean, you know, that that question I've had it before, but I'm going to tell you just briefly. I when I was a kid, um, my dad owned a, a, a pool hall. Um, and when I was a little kid, my dad made me work that pool hall and I was, you know, like around nine years old and I had to wear like a little coin bag, uh-huh. And, uh, and collect per game. But you got to remember at that time, you know, there was not like, you know, uh, you know, uh, a whole lot of alcohol type, you know, just beer, tequila and, uh, and alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, so it was very savagely like back then. So, uh, so a band came into town, and they were a hard rock band from um, Mexicali, the capital of Baja California. For all of those people who don't know, where the capital of TJ, La Paz, Los Cabos, and all that is Mexicali. That's the capital. Um, a band came in and they were hard rock band and, and, and they were playing American rock. And I was just a little kid. And uh, basically I saw a guy up there playing uh, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, you know, by, you know, Blackman Turner Overdrive. And I never seen a drum set with double bass and all that. So from that moment on, not to make it really drown out, mm-hmm. it, it changed my life. Okay. And I kept... Uh, and it jumped from that to uh, to being with my grandmother, who was in the United States in 1954, where there was no real border. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, you can walk right in, there's no uh, fencing or nothing. But that was a different time. And that's what I keep telling people. Back then, people were very uh, respectful of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were respectful of laws. They knew in line, but there was no fencing needed because it was just a little like uh, an English type of, uh, uh, you know, a phone booth thing, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. one guy was there. Right. You know what I mean? And and now it's been, you know, it's more like, you know, we have to build walls because we're concerned about all this influx, but it's, it's just the times. Yeah. So for me at that time, I had a different outlook because I was a person that uh, was born in another country, which is a border town. And in border town, there's a lot of action. You know what I mean? You see a lot of stuff. And it's ongoing. There's over 55,000 cars crossing every day. Wow. Every day. And just the one San Diego area. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So can you imagine all the way down to Mexicali and Matamoros, Texas, all the way down Arizona, Mexico, anyway. So it's 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 really uh, was an incredible time for me. Yeah, but coming up as a kid, it was it was just a normal thing. A passport, you cross, you come back, and that's it. Now it's like a whole different thing. But I don't know how I got there, but yeah, that's what would happen. <laughs> yeah, now we- but that's what my upbringing was. You know, it's funny. It's happening right now. Think about it. You just asked me something that I was affected by, not affected, but was exposed to when I was a kid, and it really didn't do shit to me. I was like, oh, that's not bad. Because I got to go to Jack in the Box. Right. And Jack in the Box hamburgers were the size of a fucking eight inch speaker, you know, and all of a sudden now they're not like that. Um, uh, it, it, it was a different time. It was a different time for me. I had a really happy time. Uh, as a kid, so you, you saw know, this my band. I was a doctor and all that. Oh, he was okay. So, did he play any instruments, or did anybody in your family play? Uh, my dad didn't play any. I did see him play a guitar, but no, <laughs> no, he did. You wouldn't call he him a guitar play player, but but my uncle did have a song back in the day called Caramel in Spanish with Caramelo, and I still can't find a copy of it. But you know, it could be just talk. Other than that. <laughs> um, I think the new best talent besides 
from my side, it would be my daughter and my son. Uh, my daughter's a really, really, really good singer. So, but cool. I, you know, I don't know the timing right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So That's you now you didn't start out singing, correct? No, I was a drummer. A drummer, okay. And when did you switch to I was, I started, a singer? It was in Pasadena where it all kicked out. Okay. I was a drummer in a band called Assassin. I used to go to Pasadena High School, PHS, and we used to do uh, backyard parties and play covers. Van Halen rehearsed, like, literally, like, down the street from us. So we were like a, I mean, I hate to say it, we were like Van Halen groupies. We, we would <laughs> right. go over to the alley because their house is at 1881 Las Lunas, and in the back, there was an alley, and you could sit there and listen to them. They had a purple van that they rode around. I think it was a Chevy van. And then they had, and they had a, a Fiat or a TR, a TR7, or some sort of small two-seater. Uh, and uh, we saw them, you know, develop out of there because that's their parents' house. Mm-hmm. And we were just kids. We're, I mean, I was 16 years old, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and, uh, we were right down the street from my friend's house. So he lived there. I was always there listening to him. You know, I was That's trying awesome. to listen. You know? Yeah. So how did you... And I played drums. And how did you switch to singing? I mean, how'd that happen? That happened when I was in a band called Exude. I was in a new wave band. And, uh, and this is some guys that I met from Michigan, Mackinac, Michigan. And they, you know, they want they wanted a drummer. They needed somebody, and I was, you know, I looked pretty good at that age. So I, they took me. I wasn't that great, um, but it was new wave, so it was, you know, it was fun to play at that time. It was not my deal, but I was going to be recording a fucking album at West Recording Studios on La Brea. Uh-huh. So I, I, um, I met someone there. There was some, like. Uh, a pretty reputable guy, which I've mentioned his name before, Neil Borgart. And, uh, and he said, you should try singing. You, know, you look great on stage and try your voice and all that. And, uh, and I realized that I was, t- <laughs> when he told me that I was tra- I was tired of slapping drums. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that'd be terrible. My, be de- my deal was that I didn't have a truck. I didn't have a van. I- you know, my brother had a beautiful fucking um, train dam with T-tops, and he was brand new, and he would slap my drums, believe it or not, on his brand new fucking car. <laughs> Just squeeze him in there. It was a pace car from uh, Indianapolis. It was a train dam, baby blue. Uh, it was amazing, and he just do it for me. But I realized that there was a lot of girls hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the girls was, so at, I, at, that, at that age. It was a great trade-off. So, so that that was part of my thing in Pasadena. Pasadena was basically the, the launching pad for me. I lived there, and uh, and uh, you know, how can how can you how can you uh, not remember seeing Snow, Carlos Cavazzo, Tony Cavazzo, Stephen Quadros on drums at Snow with all their fucking hands all white, with Scott the singer, you know. I'm sorry, that's got Doug Ellis. Doug, uh, am I fucking wrong right now? Oh, anyway, like <laughs> Scott or Doug, I can't remember right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologize if I yeah, don't remember no. anything. But they, they had some really good songs back in the day. I used to see Smile, too. Uh, great band, Alec Hart. You know, and that's how I got into London. I saw London at the Starwood because I was just a little kid. I didn't have no fucking ID. I had to sneak in there and try to fucking get in there and try to, you know, you had to fight to get in there. Yeah. Cause it was, uh, they, they have people at the door. And so I don't know how I did it, but I was there. And uh, a lot of the pictures that you see of London live, I was right there, but I wasn't there to get a gig. I was just there to watch London. Now, was this the original lineup with London? Because for those that don't know, with London, Nikki, it was with Nikki. It was with Nikki. It was Lizzie. It was Dane Rage. And it was, uh, 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 I think it was uh, Nigel, Nigel Benjamin. Um, and um, so I, it, 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 there was three singers. You had Michael White. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, but uh, 
for me it was you know I wasn't there to do anything to get a gig. I never even was in that radar, you know, as far as from my end. You know, I was really young at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ready for it. You know what I mean? It just eventually in '84 I ended up in it. You know what I mean? Now did um, what's his name? Jack Russell, did he contribute to that? I think that I think that when I was in a band called Vertigo, um, the manager uh, Doug Abraham, um, he uh, believe I believe that he was talking to to uh, uh, Jack Russell. I knew Jack Russell when he was in Dante Fox. Uh-huh. I know Lauren. I knew Lauren Black. And I knew um, also uh, um, the rest of the band, uh, but I didn't hang with him because um, I was younger. So I was in like an irreputable thing. I was just some scrap hanging out. Yeah, you were that. You guy. know what I mean? Yeah. I was not the guy that they want to talk to. I guess right. at the time, but Lauren and I became drinking buddies, and we did hang out good. Um, but anyway, there was a whole other fucking period. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, I think I believe that Doug talked to uh, or something in between uh, Jack and him and suggested that I should try out for London because I was completely, you know, I didn't know that you know, they were looking for a singer. I don't, I wasn't paying attention to any of that. Mm-hmm. I was playing in a band called Thunderbolt in Orange County, which was older guys than me, really good band. What kind of music you know? was that? What, what was it? Uh, they liked The Who. Okay. And then I'm singing like songs like for Elvira, like Mistress of the Dark, you know, <laughs> doing like all these crazy-ass screams, and I was not in their, <laughs> in their register at the time. They fired me. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> I was a little dark at that time. I was having issues at that point, I guess, with darkness. <laughs> I was really crazy, dude. I was really honest. Were you? Man. Yeah, I was really So, So when, then, yeah. when you joined London, I mean, I don't know a lot of about London, but they were more of a poppier glam act, weren't they? Well, and well, during, during the, uh, during the uh, periods of, I'm going to tell you this. During the London periods that I taught, the music was poppy. Okay, let's just put it like this: there's, they, they, you could compare London at that time a little bit like Angel, you know, right? Uh, to the point to, you know, I, I don't want to see too much, but yeah, I think that that, that would be a little comparison. But Lizzie had really, really consistent hooks on his song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was a really good fucking writer. Is that what drew you and to them? Was what was that? Is that what drew you to them? Was basically Lizzie? Lizzie and I hit him when we first met and we were introduced and we didn't even have to like discuss anything. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was inside. We were ready to go. Yeah. And we get right away and then Shrapnel grabbed us. Mike Barney. So you, you know I mean? so when you came in, it, it kind of switched to more metal because the London I I knew was more of a metal sound. Well, you know what London was like. He was trying to do T Rex. He was trying right. to do Mata Hoople. He was trying to do all the young dudes. That that was already see that was the problem with me because I didn't have that voice. I wasn't going over Happy Land. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was fun and pop music voice. I was a grittier, higher, and more annoying, I guess. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but it was high. <laughs> yeah. And I had uh, a lot of passion at the time, and I was a really angry boy, so I was really ready for this. Yeah. So for me, it brought me to that level. I don't think there was anybody out there that was going to question anything at that point. I was having a great time with be- being a singer in London, and, and I'm going to tell you one thing. Um, for me, the first two uh, London albums are probably my proudest moments. Yeah. In that period, 
because Lizzie was really deep in it and he was really focused and, and, uh, and, you know, it was really, uh, you know, time. Well, I, at that time, I remember during kind of, what year was this? Like 84, 85? Well, we, we got together in 84, uh, nonstop rock was done in 85. We started doing it at, uh, at a studio in Van Nuys. And then we uh, moved from that studio to Sound City with Brent Newman engineering it. And at the same time, you have Gio in Studio A while we were recording it. Right. Studio B. So it was in a really special time. He was doing his first album. And we're like, my God, fucking, what are you making for, bro? <laughs> yeah, because I remember you at that know? time, I was just a young kid, but I remember hearing about London. Um, you know, back then you didn't have the internet or anything. So I don't remember how I actually no. heard about you guys. But I was all the way in Florida, so so you made some right. Well, we noise. played in Florida, but you know, not during '84, '85, or anything like that. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. not at that time. And more then, like '89, right? Like, like uh, the Dolphin, a lot of that, a lot of stripper time, man. <laughs> right. But then you, um, shortly after your, um, was it "Don't Don't Cry Wolf"? Was that the name of the album? Yeah, "Don't Cry Wolf." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you guys ended up in that Metal Years documentary. Yes. Okay. Um, the Don't Cry Wolf thing was really a lot of things that happened in between. That was, you know, uh, co-produced with Tim Fowley and all that. You know, God bless his soul. Um, and uh, and from there on, we moved to getting a deal with Noise Records out of Berlin in Germany. So for us, was working with Richie Podlor and... Uh, and uh, uh, Bill Cooper on this Fly Out the Rock album, which kicked us off immediately. I mean, we were working with Guy Babylon. He was, you know, he was, you know, he was working with Elton John. We had, you know, Jimmy Greenspoon from Three Dog Night. I mean, that album, Fly Out the Rock, was, was a really uh, big test for us because well, the value of the production and the time and the players and, producer and, and you know it was really amazing kind of that part okay so that that came later though right that came right after don't cry wolf yeah yeah so i wanted to ask you though about the documentary of course i'm sure everybody asks you about this the metal years yeah the metal years um okay because you guys looked like you were having a blast during that it those interviews we were. <laughs> we, we, how trashed were you guys uh, you didn't see us. <laughs> we were drinking plain rap beer. Wow. You know, looking back at that film, you know, it, it's funny. Did you see the chip? They didn't even give us fucking good chip. I, I, did you guys really have to keep it within, like, you know, like the chips have to match? <laughs> <laughs> as far as we can get you. You know what I mean? Right. So did they. How did they approach you to be in that? Did they just see you guys and they say, hey? Yeah. They called us. Yeah, they called us. We were at LAX Records, uh, which is now the Guitar Center in Hollywood. That was our, our rehearsal studio and record company. At the and Guitar Center? War used to rehearse there, and uh, uh, the Circle Jerk in London, and a lot of other artists. Uh-huh. And, and uh, was, they called us. and uh, You're like, hell yeah. Yeah, we wanted to be in it, and we said... I uh, were wide open. <laughs> so did that? Did, did that? Do you feel that documentary helped you guys out? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like a driving test. Dude. You got to watch the fucking accident. Look, here's 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 this band, the new band, and watch this video, okay? And then you guys can decide. Yeah, there were so many so many things that uh, happened on that movie. It was really funny, and I I thought she was right on spot she was ahead of her time if she would think about this they do it now but it, back in the day if she would have done that with all the rock fans even though all the rock fans that could afford it could have a film through like like now they do it from you know for you know so many like uh slumlords and and overweight people and and 90 Day Ride and all this stuff. Can you imagine if they did it per band back in the day? You and I would be rich. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You can buy a catalog of fucked up fucking videos of bands that you love to watch or you hate to see, but you want to see them crash. 
So you know, now that's reality TV. So we were living it without a yeah, you know, without yeah. a budget. No, we're you're just right. Living it. Yeah. So then, the um, Fuzzy Del Rock was that the last London album for a while? Yes, it was. Okay, and what what happened at, after that album? Why did you guys split? What happened as far as what happened with what? With the band. Well, let's see. Um, after the band, um, after the tour, I think everyone was ready to shoot each other. Yeah, that happens. And everyone went their different ways, and I'm not going to get into detail because I've repeated this before. And uh, um, so, yeah, everyone went their different ways. I think that Krager went on and he started playing with Ike Turner for four years or something like that. And mm-hmm. Brian um, is born, you know, he's like a Christian, so he uh, he, he became the director of a, of a band and this amazing church. And then the guitar player, you know, became a lawyer. And I just uh, said, fuck all that. I'm going to keep playing. So, so you kept going. Uh, that's what happened at that point. And then from that on, I got a contract to work with a company called Second Vision New Media uh-huh. to produce the Rolling Stones Do the Lounge CD-ROM. And then I became project director for that. After did, a lot of fucking work and working for Virgin Records and the Rolling Stones. So did I did you, a did, lot, a lot of good stuff with that. That was probably one of the most amazing time working for the way did you do that stuff before have you ever done like video do, stuff or what, do do what before like like what what's you did the the, stuff, what stuff are you talking about uh, do you know what i did uh well the the project no you just said did you do that stuff before what stuff are we talking about do you like know the, what the I producing did? the what you said you produced that that DVD, the Rolling yes. Stones thing. Yes, have I you... have. I have produced our own videos before. Yes. Okay, that's I what I was asking. That. I have edited it before, but I never thought that I was going to end up working uh, for the Rolling Stones in, in that capacity because yeah. I started in the lower level thing, and there was just a lot of steps that I can't tell you what I had to do to get to where I was at. But it was multimedia at the time. I'll tell you what we yeah. were doing in uh, Second Vision New Media. Uh, the largest and the biggest, most sold project at that time was um, uh, Peter Gabriel's uh, uh, CD-ROM. And at that time, I don't know if you remember, screens were only the size of, uh, I would say, three inches by two inches. So, And at that point, there was a lot of pixelation. So what we were doing is taking technology between 1994 uh uh, which was very small. We were working for GTE Interactive Media, which was a phone company had a, a little arm on the side with an amazing multi-million dollar editing facility in Carlsbad, California. And we were compressing, uh, compressing video. So you didn't have a lot of pixelation. So we were ahead of the time. We were pioneering on compression and development of screen size and all that. And then, of course, you know, after that, uh, in 96, the Internet came in. Remember, everyone used to use CD drivers to upload things. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. You remember you had to have a CD, put in your uh, player, and load the driver, load it, yep. give you a game, and, and give oh, well, All right. So in 96, uh, CD-ROMs, CD-pluses, uh, CD-singles, and all that kind of started fading out. $60 CDs were, there were $60 blank CDs back in the day. And now they cost like eight cents. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I did that before. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I always like, no, because sometimes, you know, people just fall into different, different, yeah, uh, boy, that's how it works. Yeah. You have to fall into it. You know, there is no fucking book of, uh, Oh, well, you know, you have to follow this map and school is just a really good player on that. I mm. love school. No, I don't. I mean, I like school, but I don't think that, that this generation is going to work on the way that curriculums are going. So for me, you know, I always believe that there's that one opportunity that lands on you. You either take it or you don't. And that's going to open you even more and more doors and windows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. And I tell that to my children. And I have, you know, I have a 20-year-old and I have a 15-year-old and I have a 40-year-old. 
So for me, it's, 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 um, it's, yeah, it is opportunity. Dude. You can walk out of your house and, and bump into someone and they go, you know what, man, uh, you, uh, look like I can use you on this thing for this movie, or you look like you know about this or you or you're, it could be anything. It's yeah. a market. I've seen so many weird scenarios, you know, especially yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. Um, so, so after you were doing all this, uh, this video stuff, were you still playing at the time? Yes. Okay. Yes. At that time, I, I, the project, the stones were, was over and I ended up doing a uh, Latin rock album. And, um, because I thought that at that time, if I was focusing on my own language, that I would, uh, that I would get into the Latin market and, uh, and unfortunately, the land market is completely different that that I that I that I that I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. so. But I ended up, you know, I ended up doing an album with Matt Sorum and Chuck Wright and uh, and uh, Teddy Andreades and uh, 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 just an amazing amount of players. And uh, and and uh, I had a great time doing a Latin album at that time. Uh-huh. So. Uh, as a matter of fact, Matt Storm just had a child, so I'm so happy he had a baby. I send him out some some uh, congratulations to him if he had his first baby. So yeah. that was great. But anyway, yeah. So that was it. And then from there on, I ended up back putting the original lineup of Wyville Rock, and we did our first show in 2012 at the Roxy. And then from then on, it was this the same lineup all the way down. Uh, until uh, prior to our Oklahoma show, 2013. In 2013, I changed guitar players, and uh, we well because the the person that was the guitar player in Fly of the Rock pulled out on me two weeks prior to Oklahoma, and we had a big fucking gig there. Mm. And so, other than that, everything was good after that, man. So it's been a lot of fun playing with a lot of great players. Yeah. And also, you know, moving to Vegas was a lot of fun. You know, and having a good time with my friend uh, Brett Muscat. You know, and uh, recording in Vegas, and and um, there was just a lot of a lot of things that happened. It's a lot of different things that little seeds of things that people do that uh, that make you want to go and continue. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like you have a lot of fun doing what you do. It sounds like you're real passionate about it and love it. Well, I don't have a whole lot of room. You know, you got to think about it in a way that you start looking at guys dropping dead at 44, and then all of a sudden 50s are moving in, and all of a sudden they're dropping dead, and all of a sudden there's you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're on the list. Yeah, it kind of makes you go like, hmm, Yeah. I wonder who's next. Lizzie Gray, dude, the biggest loss for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was what a couple you years know, ago. I, I don't, I, I don't know how to. We were going to do an album. I mean, he literally took a bus from Vegas to go play on the the Rainbow's uh, anniversary party from Las Vegas, and he never showed. Mm. And he was found. He was found two days later in a, in a bench in Bourbon, California, dude. From 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 a really sad disease, mm. you know, new body disease. It's like it just took, you know, it was just a really. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. He was, you know, last time I saw him, Brian and I, Brian West and I went down to Vegas to see him, and uh, and that was the last time I saw him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, it, life has been a really crazy dealer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, were you guys, did you guys start writing together before that happened? We have, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Sure. We started writing back in 85. I have boxes of rehearsals of music. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He left me a list of songs that we were going to record because I was going to go to Vegas and we were going to record. But he never, you know, he never made it. Right. He ended up in hospice. Right. Okay. Say it was going to be called London Underground. That was the name of the band that we were going to do. 
London Underground, and the choice of songs, and I'm the only one with that list. So when I'm fucking ready, I'm going to record those for my boy. I was just going to ask that if you were ever going to do that. That's good, when you're ready. Yeah, I'm going to let all these other bullshitters run around and name drop and say this and say that. Let them get their fucking yayas out. Yeah. I wasn't even invited to his memorial. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so when I do it, I'm going to do it the way he would like it. That's awesome. And, uh, and I do it right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so, so now here we are. Um, now what is your latest project? What do you, what do you got going on right now? Well, my late, my, my latest project is, well, this is what I'm doing right now. I have a double CD album coming out. I'm going to, Put London a little bit on the on the side for a minute, and I'm recording. I recorded my uh, Spanish album, but it's a double CD set, so I'm going to be going into the Latin market. And on the second CD set, I'm putting some of the choice cuts uh, from the London uh, Call That Girl album because COVID completely, completely uh, diluted. My plan, mm-hmm. you know, and not just mine. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people spend a lot of money to put their stuff out. My strategy is different, and it cost me actual money, physical money. So hmm. I don't want to uh, say that I know the answer to all of this, but um, the record's coming out, and I already uh, approved the masters and everything. And I'm waiting, and I uh, I will have uh, digipacks, double CD digipacks, because people are buying them, man. People mm. are buying nonstop rock. They're buying Don't Cry Wolf. And, and to the, all those fucking douchebags out there who were on fucking Amazon and eBay trying to sell my stuff, uh-huh, how do you like me now? Where, where can, can you get those early London albums? Like from you, or is you there a place you can buy eBay. them? Mm-hmm. eBay. On eBay, you'll see it. Uh-huh. Our, our, uh, our store. Okay. There was a lot of bootlegging going on, man. I'm tired of it. Unbelievable. At my age, there was people my age bootlegging my stuff. Yeah. In L.A., in Italy, and fucking uh, all over the place. I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to piss my fans <laughs> in the country, but fuck. Yeah, well, you know, you, you put something out, and then it's bound to get up on eBay these days. And I'm going to tell you one thing. You guys are going to laugh your ass off. My vinyls are dying. They're selling. Okay? Not only that, Paul McCartney Paul McCartney has his latest, and it's on vinyl, right? And it's on TV, and he has it on cassette. His, his music. His, his latest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look it up. You have time, look it up. Yeah, yeah. No, there's been a few people that... You know what I mean? So, fucking Paul McCartney's a fucking genius. You know why? Because they have USB cassette players. This generation discovered if you put this plate that's black, and you put that little needle on it, and you put it down, it plays music, dude. They never <laughs> fucking knew that. Right? Vinyl has made a huge comeback, like you're saying. Right, um, and then you think a cassette, as long as it has a USB port, God forbid, fuck, if you give them an RCA hookup, uh, then uh, they can download it to uh, their computer or their uh, uh, audio device. Yeah. And they love this stuff, and I love that. Yeah. If you, Paul McCartney's doing it, you know that there was people back there going, well, you know, Paul, you fucking really sins about fucking putting out some cassettes, mate. You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> I think it's brilliant. He's a fucking genius. Yeah, you know the thing with those damn cassettes, though, is I always hated when they got caught in a player. Right, but you know what? <laughs> it's the experience of you having to grab that pencil and fucking fix that. Or did you ever have to take some tape and put it back together because it broke when you were pulling it out? And then when you listen back, sure you, you have a space right. in there. And then when I got really pissed, I fucking just threw it out the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> I still ha- I still have some of my cassettes that I've left in my car way back when. I have and a thousand they're, they're cassettes. They're melted. 
You have you have about and a thousand, I, and I don't play them, <laughs> and I will never play them. <laughs> I have them. You won't play them though. No, I amazing cassettes. I have you know the Beatles collection, the RCA recordings. I have Frank Sinatra. I have the Capitol catalog. It was amazing stuff that I was given to my by my friend Bruce Kirkland, and uh, it was just uh, they're there. Yeah. CDs, I have a ton of CDs, and they're not even like hung up. Or, like, I see a lot of guys like, oh, the library. Oh, look at that. You know, like, oh my God, you can almost rub one out on that fucking wall. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's insane. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I, I think for me, it's nostalgia, it's the searching for it. It's the, what did I do with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I have I have all my CDs, all my cassettes too. The only I do have my vinyl records out though. I, I do listen to those, but my uh, yeah CDs and cassettes are in big big totes. I love vinyl, man. I have Elton John albums that I like to listen to on albums, and I like to listen to the Foghat album live. I'm really I'm really like weird about stuff. I like Yes going for the one that was my first concert. Yeah, yeah, so, at the Forum. So, you know, I have like a really weird year, but I love, love vinyl and really amazing. Yeah. I thought, I I wasn't sure if I had any London material, and I don't know if I do, to be honest with you. Well, then why the fuck are you doing an interview? You didn't even music? <laughs> I think How I have. How the fuck do you do that? I think I have, um, I don't even know what I have in my cassettes anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you know. Nope. If I was in my 20s, dude, I, I tell you, I snap. I can't <laughs> believe that. You don't have not heard anything. Nothing. Me? Yeah. No, How old I, are we? No, I've heard I've heard lots of London. And I I, oh, okay. I don't I don't have I don't have it, it physic a physical copy. But you have like bootlegged shit you've been buying. Huh? No, no. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. You know, I had to go back and listen to some. Are you buying from the Russians? You know, the Russians sell my downloads for like twelve cents or some shit. Hey, that's pretty good because I think my stuff's only like eight cents. Yeah, that's pretty good shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah. So man, you. Th- you seem like you you've had a blast. I mean, you've I'm sure you've got tons of stories that and memories that you know that no one has. Yeah, right. Is it looking yeah. back on on that whole time in your career so far? I mean, is there anything that you think you would change, or you or you wish that you would have did yes. differently? Yes, my yes, I would. Yeah, I, I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have uh, focused more on spending time with my family. And especially my daughter at the time and my grandmother and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also wish that I would spend all the money <laughs> <laughs> and put it in something and buy some land or something. I'm just too, you know, too young. Yeah, when you're young, you don't realize that. My new song will, it will be, you know, just too young to see what I had to do. You know what I mean? It was just, I wasn't ready for, you know, I was having a good time. Yeah. So I don't regret any of it. I loved it. Yeah. I'd do it again. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So what? Wh- who's in the current band now? Who Who is in London? All right. Well, right now, uh, you know, you're going to just have to take a couple of names, but it's not... The band is the same band that is on the London Call That Girl album. It's the same okay. band, except for our brother, Krigger, uh has retired from playing drums. Um and so right now we're actually going to be looking for a new drummer. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I have Billy the Fist on bass, and I have uh, Ronnie Payne on guitar. Well, these are all the players that are in this album. I have Eric Ragnow on keyboards and myself singing. And like I said, I'm looking for a new drummer. So for me, this is a big, big, big move because my boy Krieger is retired now, mm-hmm. you know, and as you know, he has been playing much longer than me. He's a, he's an outstanding drummer and his, you know, his backbeat and all that. I won't, you know, he played with Ike Turner and, you know, he, he, he's, he, he's just not going to be easy to, to re- yeah, not replace, not but someone to give us that feel. But I think that we will eventually. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but on the record, uh, you know, on this new record, man, there's just too many names to to, to mention. Okay. Uh, but uh, we got Matt Strom, like I said, and also uh, Bernard Fowler. I don't know. Do you know who Bernard is? No. Uh-uh. Who, who Bernard is he? Fowler? He, uh, he um he actually uh, sings for Ronnie Wood on his albums, and he sings backup uh, for the Rolling Stones on their okay. tour. And I met him during my you know, soiree with the Stones, and we became friends and recorded well, during the Rolling Stones Bridges to Babylon tour. We recorded in Mexico City and recorded a song by Bernard Fowler and Ronnie Wood called uh, You Always Wanted More That I Could Give You, but I did it in Spanish, and it's called Siempre Quisiste Más De Lo Que Te Di, and uh, it was the first time ever uh for uh, Ronnie and uh, Bernard to do this and to allow me to do this because for Ronnie to let me do one of the songs, you know, uh, is uh, it's quite the feat, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Bernard, was he was a gentleman in Mexico City because Ronnie was doing another uh, event at that night and he came down to the recording studio and he sang on this album. So we have him, we have Chuck Wright, we have Lanny Cordola. I don't know if you remember Lanny, he's from House of Lords. And uh, uh, it's just an array of players in it. Teddy Andreatis is also, Teddy is actually a regular on my records. I, I love uh, I love when he plays, uh, you know, his B3s, you know, his, uh, his spins and all that. I've been working with him for a while. And uh, so we have an array, array of players. Ronnie Pena, you know, Billy the Fist, Eric Wagner, and uh, uh, just an array of names. There's at least 26 players on the, uh, on the wow. latest album. But it's in Spanish. But all that's Spanish. the first CD. And then, no, not all Spanish. It's the first CD is in Spanish, and the second, it's a double CD set. Yeah. Back. So, so it's half and half. Okay. And we'll, yeah, man, this is it. I, I don't, you know. When do you think that'll be available? To hang on to the thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You have to put the material out because I don't know if, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to be another day. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm at with this. And when is this supposed to be released? Do you have a date? Right now? Well, it's, it's available probably when I get the fucking boxes because it's coming. <laughs> so it should be here within... Seven days, no later than that. I already have the CD in my hand as far as the artwork and all that. It was just the finishing of the uh, the actual CD, the physical CD. Mm-hmm. So it's being pressed and shrink wrapped and sent to us, and I'll be putting it up on the store. And then I'm going to, I'm not doing Spotify. I want everyone to know that I'm not going to do Spotify. I did uh, uh, the London Call That Girl album. But I'm not doing Don't Cry Wolf. I'm not doing Not Stop Rocks. Don't ask me. Because I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'm not doing this album on it. Now, you know why I'm not doing it? Because I don't fucking make money from it. All right. Don't make I'm anything. I'm not making money from it. I make money from selling physical products. Fuck all this. You guys can all hang out with the downloads. I'm going to be putting USB sticks, really cool one. Uh-huh. And so you guys can use that and shove it in your new cars and all that, but I'm not doing downloads uh, on Spotify or DistroKid or whatever the hell's going on. I can't, I, there's no controlling this. This is, this is yeah. a fucking gamble. Yeah. You know, we, the, the band I was in, this was back in 2005, 2006, but we released our second release on vinyl. And uh, with the vinyl came a download card, and that worked out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember the cards. We 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 thought of that, but you know what? Uh, we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to do it because I think it was just a cost thing for us at the time. But it wasn't like people were running to get those. They were giving those away at clubs. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They were handing them out for free. You know. Yeah, it's definitely so, a different time these days. It wasn't music. ready. Now it's ready. Now it's ready because the cards don't have CD players now. So right, but they do have they do have a USB and they do have auxiliaries and they have you know all that stuff, Bluetooth and so these kids are all right. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Are you going to uh, you going to be signing some of them? Yes, I'm going to be signing uh, as as many as I can. Mm-hmm. I don't charge for it. I don't ask for anything. Just tell That's me awesome. on the notes on on seahorsemama at yahoo.com is our email on eBay, but it's you'll see us. We're the only ones there selling the nonstop rock and and uh, call that girl and the rest of it. But yes, I'm going to sign him. If you ask me on the notes, if you order it and you tell me, can you please sign up for me? I would gladly sign it for you. I'll sign anything from vinyl to the stickers to the card. I don't send you just a fucking TV. Here you go. Get lost. I send you a, a, uh, a 10 inch by four inch sticker, vinyl sticker with, uh, you know, you, uh, UV ray fucking whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> I send that card. And I send you a free live CD with purchase. So I'm not really, you know, I need to put this stuff out because I want people to get something in their hands and they smell it when they open it. When you open the wrapper and you look, you have something to look at and touch. That's awesome. And that's where I'm at with it. And then when I die, they can all fucking shove downloads all they want. <laughs> what? So, what's the name of your store? Uh, I'm gonna put it in the sh- in the show notes here. So that it, way. it's just it's just uh, well, I mean, here. Uh, let me let me let me get it for you right now because it's um, it's run by I, uh, by my grandma at home. She's got it under control here. So here you go. What are you? Are you? Is this something you're gonna repost again or? or um, or do, can I share with my friends and all that? Yeah, yeah. This will be up tomorrow morning. Okay, awesome. Yeah. My, my friends love following this. I would love to share it. Cool, yeah. and I'll, make, I'll sure that saying, make, make sure that I don't say anything really weird, because if I do, I'm not going to like it. So <laughs> I don't well, keep track of my mouth. No, nah, you, you, did, you, you did fine. <laughs> Good job. Good? Right. My kids will be like, no, Dad, why yeah. are you saying that? No, I I don't I don't edit this either, so I just put it up. Okay, great. So now I would definitely make a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care back then. Either. I don't care now. Yeah, no worries. But yeah, if you can, I sent you the link. You, you text it or email it. I text it. I text okay. it to your Joe thing. Give it a minute. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah, so, I got it. Uh, All right. You get it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll put that link in the show notes, and that way, you know, people that are uh, when they check out the podcast, it'll, the link will be right there. They can click on it. Yeah, and they can go to you know they can visit our website. You know, if they want to contact me, they can go to the London the band dot net or mm-hmm. uh, com. Okay. Okay. And uh, they're both linked to the same London uh, link. Uh, and, you know, if you have any questions, anyone wants to, you know, ask me uh, on their daddy or anything like that. <laughs> you know, Hopefully you don't get those questions. Put a trace on me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Listen, <laughs> you're out of date, bro. No, that was not me. <laughs> Hopefully you don't get any of those questions, but... uh no, no, I'm never. You know what? I <laughs> you got to look at your you got to look at the timeline in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you you start questioning. Yeah, things. man, there's a lot of cowboys out now. They're young, and I go, "Oh, you bros are just not gonna like this." <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, it, they don't. It, oh, you just you just you know you you don't do it like you used to do. You, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The court system is gonna do you. That's gonna do you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was great talking to you. I really appreciate it. All right, Joe. Um, Thank you, brother. I appreciate you taking uh, time to give this dude uh, a voice. Yeah, man. I hope I can uh, uh, have that answer. I hope I'd answer your uh, your uh, your uh, great questions because I like some of them. They were really, really good. Cool. I like it when you know they go not. You know, sometimes you get these questions like, well, you just like reading other interviews. What's going on with it? Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you for that and taking your time. But you really suck for not having my new album. Uh, so uh, <laughs> y- y- you need to get that. Now, if you if you get the new album, I will give you because 
I want to do this, I will give you some special stuff on the side. If you want to do that. It's you got the money, but you have to make the motion. So You got okay. it. You got right, it, man. But so uh, listen, anytime, anytime. You're welcome anytime. Just let me know. Right, you got yeah. my contact information. Once you uh you start doing some more stuff, let me know. We'll get you back on. All right. All Thank right, buddy. You, Appreciate it. Yeah, Love have a good rock. one. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.